So Matthew, Matthew chapter 19, Matthew chapter 19, um, when you're there, say amen. Uh, starting with verse 16, the word of God says, Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Jesus then responds, saying, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you want to enter into life, obey the commandments. Obey the commandments. Which ones? The man inquired. Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and your mother, love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have called us to a place of learning, a place of discovery, a place where we can be challenged and encouraged. And Father, we ask you to do nothing less than that. Feel your temple. May we hear your voice. In the name of your precious son, Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. So those of you who are guests here, and this is your first time here at Grand, we, we welcome you and um, those of our family members who are accustomed to listening to our messages can, can kind of figure out our, our theology and the trajectory of our messages. Have, you know, some people have said that over time, a pastor only preaches one sermon. He has several different variations, but he only really preaches one sermon. Um, and so this message is going to be a bit challenging, and I don't want you to be discouraged by it. I think there's a, there's a lot of hope and encouragement in it. However, it's going to be a bit challenging, and I hope you don't mind being challenged by the Word this morning. We're going to let God do some talking to us, some straight talk. And, and so as we read in Matthew chapter 19, the question that the young ruler asks is actually a question that most of us ask. You know, what must we do to have eternal life? And if you have been a part of a Christian denomination for any time within the past few decades, you know the answer. The answer is that we receive eternal life through Jesus' death and resurrection. It's a free gift that God imparts to all who accept it. It is nothing but the cross. That, that's what we, 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 we glory in. That is what we celebrate, the act of Christ's sacrifice and what he did on man's behalf. But Jesus says something that's a little bit different in this text, if you were listening. The man asked, how do I receive eternal life? And Jesus then tells him, well, follow the commandments. Keep the commandments. There's no grace or mercy talk at this moment. It's just straight up, be good. Now, Jesus does challenge the man a bit. He, he, he asked them, well, why do you ask me what is concerning good for there is only one who is good? I mean, you know in Romans chapter uh, 3 where 
Paul pins that all have fallen short of the glory of God, right? All have sinned, all have fallen short. So we all understand that we are in a certain camp of disease and defilement, all right? We're kind of messed up. We're, we're, we're a bit dysfunctional, all right? All of us have been tainted by the sexually transmitted disease of sin, thanks to our great, 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 infinity great grandfather, Adam. As we read in Romans chapter 5, because of one man's sin, we all became sinners. Death reigned on planet Earth. So Jesus then is, is speaking to this man, and, and he says to him, if you want to enter into life, you must obey the commandments of God. He says, which ones? And Jesus begins to rattle off a few commandments. And most of them, uh, except for one, are all a part of the Decalogue. They're all part of the, the two stone tablets, the Ten Commandments, all right, found in Exodus chapter 20 and also in uh, Deuteronomy. Uh, the Bible then, Jesus then uh, throws in a new commandment they had given them, and that was to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, the man then goes on to say, I've done this. Now, this is confident talk here. I like this, brother. Hey, stop, Jesus. Stop. Don't even complete the rest of the Ten Commandments plus one, whatever you got there. I have done it. If you read Luke's account, Luke's account in chapter 18, he says, I've done it since I was a little boy. Stop right where you are. What else do I lack? I mean, am I perfect or am I perfect? Now, see, there's nothing wrong with this young man is saying to Christ because the Bible does say in Deuteronomy that uh, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, right? Nothing wrong with that. Uh, the Bible is very clear. In the Old Testament, obey and live, the Bible says, all right? There's no stuttering. There's, there's no speech impediment there. I mean, it's very clear. Obey and live. If you love death, according to Ezekiel, if you love death, then you're going to continue to keep sinning. If you're a lover of life, then you will continue to follow the commandments of God. So it's not like this young man is outside of the system here. He's a good Jewish boy. He was raised in a good family. He went to a good church. He knew what to say and how to say it since he was a little boy, and don't hate on him because he's rich. He is a faithful, godly person, and he's wealthy. There's nothing wrong with it. And he looks Jesus in the eye and says, I am perfect. What else do I lack, if anything? Jesus then goes on to say, and he uses this word. Now, you know, I always have a problem with this word perfection, but Jesus uses the word, if you want to be perfect, if you want to be perfect, he goes on to say, then what? Sell all you have. Luke 18 says, you still lack something, and what you lack is this. You need to sell everything you have, give the money to the poor, and then come and follow me. In other words, if you want to reach that next level that you're talking about, this is what you need to do. Here's my problem, family. My problem is this commandment of selling everything, giving it all up, isn't a part of the Ten Commandments. It's like Jesus threw a curveball at him, and I don't like it. 
Because when I had the Ten Commandments there, it was pretty easy to follow. And Jesus threw us a, gave us an eleventh one. And I'm like, that's all right. That's all right. I mean, he did like etch the first ten in the, in the stone tablets. If he wants to verbalize eleventh one, I'm okay with that. He's Jesus. We'll give him that much, right? But this one is a curveball. In fact, the disciples see it being so much of a curveball. It says in verse 25, when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved. Who then can be saved? Jesus, you do realize you just X'd out about everybody? Now, we've given up everything, but it's like only the 12 of us. Who then can be saved? Now, you think this is harsh. Go with me to Matthew chapter 5. Listen to what Jesus says. I know, I know a lot of us, when we look at the, uh, the Bible, we look at the New Testament as the nice part of God and the Old Testament as being the, the mean part of God. But listen to what Jesus does here. This, this, is, this, this is absolutely scary. And we like to, especially as Seventh-day Adventist Christians, we like to use this text to defend the, uh, the importance, the validity of the law still. So it says in verse 17, verse 17 of chapter 5 in Matthew, do not think, this is Christ speaking, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them, to fulfill them. And that word there for fulfillment is very similar to the word of 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 perfection that is mentioned in Matthew 19 when Jesus says do you want to be perfect right it's actually from the same root teleos the same word that Christ even uses when he's on the cross remember he says it is finished it is a completeness it is a maturity it is a fullness all right so Christ is saying don't think that I have come to abolish them I've come to fulfill them to complete them to finish them I I've 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 come to fill it up to the brim and listen what he says I've come to fulfill them, and he goes on and says, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything has been accomplished. So there he goes, teleos again, has been fulfilled, has been completed. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever practices and teaches these commands will what? will be called great in the kingdom. For I tell you that unless, now this is the difficult part, I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. I'm sorry, I'm really scared now. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees were the model of perfection. They not only followed the law and met its requirements, they even added to it. They would have other restrictions such as you can only walk a few steps on Sabbath, right? They actually had that written down, that if you were to spit on the ground, you were watering your lawn. So they took perfection to a whole nother level. And Christ tells the listeners who have been looking up to the Pharisees what they, who they, and the teachers of the law who they felt was kind of an unattainable stature of, of, of spirituality and, and, and piety. He says, unless you exceed their effort and works, you will by no means enter into life. Now, this is Jesus. I want to hear some grace talk. I want to hear, yeah, give it your best, but if you don't, hey, I got your back. That's what I want to hear. 
But this is some hardcore stuff. You think he's done yet? Oh, no. Jesus starts bringing some more fastballs right down the middle of the plate. He says, you have heard, in verse 21, you have heard that it was said to, to the people long ago, do not murder. Where's he getting that from? He's getting that from where? The Ten Commandments, right? The Ten Commandments. He says, you have heard in the past, do not murder. But I tell you this, that, um, I'm sorry, yeah, I tell you this, if you are angry with your brother, you will be subject to what? Judgment. What? I mean, I could get with the whole murder thing. I'm good. I am straight. I have never killed anybody. But the whole anger part, if I'm angry with my brother and I hold it in and I, 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 I cultivate it and nurture it and feed it and all that other kind of stuff, I never forgive. I never let it go. I never settle it. He's saying that I'm guilty of judgment. He goes on to say in verse 27, you have heard in the past, do not commit adultery, but I tell you this, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, I know this is only men. Ladies, you guys don't have to ever worry about this kind of stuff. But listen to this, fellas. You guys ready? All right, I'm not going to go deep in this explanation because it's an uncomfortable explanation, but I think there's a correlation here Jesus is trying to make. It's going to be a little bit awkward. It might make you want to blush here, but just, men, hear me out on this, okay? You guys with me? We cool? All right, listen to what Christ says. This is right after the whole not lusting part. You ready? All right. It's a little gross, but here it goes. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. So it doesn't matter what we look at. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Throw it away. I don't want to get deep into that, guys. I don't want to get deep. It's church. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go to hell. He then talks about divorce. He even talks about oaths. It's interesting. In Deuteronomy, God says it's okay for you to give an oath in the name of the Lord. But here Jesus says, don't even do that. Don't swear by heaven or earth because you had nothing to do with either one of them. Don't swear by God's throne. He says, he says, don't swear by the city of Jerusalem or the city of the great king, and do not swear by your head in verse 36, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. This is before Jesus knew about the coloring we have with uh, the, what men, all right, here we go. All right, so it, I used to color back, and I had blonde all around here. I didn't like it, but I, I've, I've gone all natural. Praise the Lord. Here we go. So, he says, simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Now, here's my problem. This same God who's speaking, the Son of God, is the same God who spoke to Moses in the book of Exodus and Deuteronomy, the same one who was feeding him all these laws. Now he comes, you know, years later and starts to say, you know, you've heard in the past it was said, yeah, Jesus, you said it. Well, yeah, 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 but check this out. I tell you this. 
And he keeps taking it to another level. And it's this level that is so eerily uncomfortable. And then he goes on to say, you have heard in verse 43, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your father in heaven. Us loving our enemies is a sign of our sonship. And daughtership, it is a sign of our familial connection to God. He then goes on to say that, what? That God causes the sun to rise on the, on, on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? And are not even the tax collectors doing that? Poor Matthew was writing this, you know, this is kind of tough on him. He's like, hey, Jesus, all right, ease up, all right? I know I'm a former tax collector. He says, even the tax collectors do this kind of stuff. And if you greet only your brothers, uh, uh, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect. Be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Here's the problem, family. Are any of us perfect? Yet Jesus is setting a bar and is calling us to walk this straight line. And we have become so comfortable with a culture of mediocrity that it is now called the atmosphere of grace. It doesn't matter if I give a D minus effort, if I, if I, if I, if I've made mistakes over and over again, all I do is go to the bank and say, Lord, forgive me for my sins, and it's erased. I remember back in the day, my, 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 my folks would tell me that, that if I was in a car accident and I was listening to secular music and I died, I would be lost. And I said, are you sure? They said, yes, because you're not going to have enough time to ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins. Right? <laughs> So those who, those who would take their own life, they would consider it to be like the unpardonable sin because they, they would not be able to ask for forgiveness. And I'm thinking, well, I would just do it in a way that, you know, my death would be so slow that after I was, it was already too late, I could just ask the Lord to forgive me right before I breathe my last, you know, and then it'll be cleared in the record books. We have such a legalistic way of looking at salvation that all we care about are rules. So when you look at this stuff, you get scared. We all get scared. The rich young ruler got scared. He was so used to looking at the rules and being able to check things off and saying, am I perfect? Am I perfect? How much more do I need? What else do I lack? You just tell me, Jesus, whatever it takes, I'm going to do it. But once it got to a level where it was too much to pay, he said, Ugh. no, now you've gone too far. You're telling me you don't ever want me to be married? You want me to live a life of celibacy? Oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not going there. I want to be married just like all of my friends, and I want to have children. You're telling me that you want me to sell my business and go be a missionary in Rwanda? <laughs> no, 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 no. You see, all of us have a price that if God were to ask 
for us to pay it out, we tell them flatly, no. No thanks. The not lying stuff? Oh, yeah, I'm good, yeah. I mean, a couple white lies here and there, little grayish ones, but the real serious ones, I'm good. Adultery, done. I have never worshipped another idol. I'm good. I don't commit adultery. I respect my parents. I I don't even covet things. I'm straight. I'm good, right? Am I perfect? Have I finished it? Am I completed? Do I get a passing grade? Good. And then Jesus asks us to go farther. He's always asking us and pushing us to do more. He talks about prayer. He talks about fasting. He even talks about going the second mile. He says, if someone asks you to walk one mile, how many miles should you walk with them? Two miles. If someone asks you for their, your, your scarf, you should give them what? Give them your jacket as well. God is always pushing us to be more, to be greater. It's not about just following the commandments. It's about being perfect. It's about being complete. It's about being our all at our very best. And God doesn't expect any less. That's hard. Is it uncomfortable? Because the reason why it's so uncomfortable is because all these feelings and emotions that we have within us, and we just start saying, well, God, if if this was really you, this wouldn't be difficult, right? It wouldn't be difficult. And according to Matthew 16, you remember remember how Peter was telling Jesus, you know, he answered the question, who do men say I am? And Peter's like, yeah, you the son of God, you the Messiah, you the man, holla, all that kind of stuff, right? And Jesus is like, oh, Pete, man, you know, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, man. My God, my father's been speaking to you. You've been talking to me. I've been talking to him. Pete, this is wonderful, man. Listen, again, on this rock, speaking about himself, on this rock, I will build my church, but I'll give you the keys to the pad. And even the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against this church. Peter feels pretty good about himself. Ooh, I love being a part of Jesus' team. Yes! Woo! And then Jesus starts talking about a cross. And then Peter had a problem. Whoa, wait a second. Come here, Jesus. Come here. Wait a second. Come here. You here now. Stop talking crazy talk. I want to be a part of your kingdom, but on my terms. Jesus then says to him, If you want to come after me, you must deny yourself. Take up your personalized cross and follow me. I don't know about you, but crosses don't feel too good. And they don't make me look good either. They're messing with the flow. They're messing with the threads. I I don't want to be stripped down and paraded through some city with a splintery old cross on my back. Something about that picture doesn't sit well with me, yet that is Christianity. That is what God calls us to. It is not a level of, 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 of mere acceptance by our own legalistic standards. It is something that far exceeds it. We talk about the letter of the law and the spirit of the law, and God is calling us to follow the spirit of the law. We like to think the spirit of the law is something that's easier. It's like, yeah, I know what the Bible says, but I think if you feel it in your heart, you're okay. The spirit of the law takes it to a whole 
new level that far outshines what was written in the textbooks. And this is what God is calling us to. Family, we have a lot of immature Christians in our ranks. We might be one of them because we are still reading the same textbooks as our parents and our grandparents. We haven't grown, we haven't moved past the level. We are just, we are satisfied with the old milk. Listen to Hebrews chapter six. Turn there real quickly. Listen to Hebrews chapter six. I love what the author says here. He just, he breaks it wide open. Hebrews chapter six. Are we reading? Are we in the word? Hebrews chapter six. Listen to what the author says. Starting with verse one. Listen to what he says. Hebrews six. Verse 1, I hear you still turning. Hebrews 6, verse 1, it says, Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ. Elementary? I ain't in elementary. I'm, a, I'm in junior high. I'm in high school. I'm, I'm a college graduate. I have a doctorate. What do you mean the elementary teachings? Let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from the acts that lead to death and, and of faith in God, instructions about baptism, the laying out of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, and God permitting we will do so. Let us go on. In fact, in the King James, the word maturity there, the King James, they translate it, let us go on to what? Perfection. It's the same word, teleos. It's the same word. It's the same word used for perfection, maturity, meeting the requirement. He says, let us go on to perfection here, getting past all the elementary stuff. Elementary? I thought the state of the dead and eternal judgment and all that other stuff was the hard stuff. He's like, why are you guys still in elementary school? And if you read, if you're reading Galatians chapter 3, Paul actually calls the law the schoolmaster. The old substitute teacher. Anybody remember how the substitute teacher used to be the perfect target? Oh, I used to love, when, I, man, we used to make substitute teachers cry. Uh, we did, we did. I was never a part of it. I rebuked, I rebuked my classmates. But we, we, would, we, would, make, we would make those teachers cry because they, they didn't know what they were talking about. They didn't understand the lesson like we did, and we'd always try to fool them. You know, before the teacher left, they said that we get to go to recess all day long. They would be so frustrated. We would talk in class. What are you going to do? You're gone tomorrow. So we know we would just act up in class. So, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, 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 Paul calls the law a schoolmaster, a person who was in charge of us until Christ came. The law was never meant to be the teacher or friend or God to us. It was simply holding us until the fulfillment of the law, the word made flesh, the law made flesh came to us. It was just holding us until the real deal came. That's why when Christ came and says, you know, you heard when you were a little kid, you need to brush your teeth and all that. Yeah, yeah, we heard that. Yeah, mom told us that. Well, let me tell you why. I'm going to take it a step further. You need to floss as well. Oh, okay. You need to not eat certain foods that, 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 that speed up decay and, 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 and create cavities. Oh, 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 okay, I just, okay, I got you. you don't you know that when, when, as you get older, things seem to just be more broad and you have more understanding? Before, the, where you came from was a stork that flew and just dropped you off on the porch, and now it's, ah, you know? 
You know how it gets, right? As you get older, there's more explanation, and you start doing this, oh, and your parents always tell you, just wait until you get older. You just wait. You wait until you have kids of your own, right? My mom keeps telling me that. I'm like, ah, mom, it ain't that deep. You just wait, honey. Ah, blah, blah, blah. And I know when I have kids, I'm going to be like, mom, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't know. I didn't know, right? As you get older, things just get deeper. They have more meaning. There's more to it. When you're young, everything is so simple. It's like, see, Jane, run. Oh, I'm reading, I'm reading. See, spot, see. Oh, I'm seeing spot, see. Wow, this is awesome. Right? It's so simple. Everything's broken down. The little baby talk. You know, you want, and baby like, what do you say? Yeah, whatever you're saying, right? Everything's just broken down, but as you get older and there's more maturity and, you know, you, you learn it and blah, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's more complex. You can talk things, you know, with profoundness, profundity, right? It's awesome. It's good stuff here. Let's, let's, let's come and reason together. When you're little babes, you need to be held by the hand, and that's why Jeremiah 31 is so powerful. God says there's coming a day. I'm going to give you a new covenant. It's like the old covenant when I had to grab you by the hand and lead you. You remember that when you were kids? You know, mom would say, grab my hand. Mom, I'm five years old. I can walk across the street by my, grab my hand, right? It's just so embarrassing. Had to hold your parents' hand everywhere, everywhere. And you had to hold strangers' hands too. Hold your uncle Richard's hand. He's not really my real uncle. Well, he's your play uncle, hold it. And you know, I just, all that kind of stuff, we just, we're grown up, we're three years old, leave us alone, right? But, but, there comes a time when parents don't have to hold your hand. And that's what Jeremiah 31 says. There is coming a time I'll give you a new covenant. Not like the old covenant where I had to grab you by the hand and lead you out. He says, I'm giving you a new covenant. And the new covenant is that I will write what? My laws where? In your hearts, in your minds. And no one's going to have to teach you anymore. For all are going to know the Lord. All will know me. There is a new level that God is taking us to. And it's not simply looking at stone tablets. It's about God burning his message within our hearts. In fact, when we, when, we, when, we, when we read what Paul has to say, it's interesting, when we read what Paul has to say about the law, most of us like to say that Paul kind of disses the law. He only disses the law because he doesn't like the substitute teacher. He's like, come on, let's get past it. I want the real deal. I don't want the governess. I want my mommy and daddy. But some of us are like, but I'm good with the governess because I can still get by on the governess. I can still fool the governess. I can still fool the person who's babysitting me. Mom and dad, I can't get anything past them. But the babysitter, oh yeah, I tell them that Hershey Kisses is for cereal, they're good. They're still getting paid, right? They're a hireling, not a shepherd. They're a hireling. They're going to do whatever it takes to keep me quiet. Put me in front of the TV for four hours. As long as they don't have to bother with me, that's good. But the parents are different. They actually care about my mind want me to learn. They want me to have understanding. There's more care. There's more thought put into it. It's deeper. It's more profound. So this is what Paul is talking about in Galatians. And, and, and listen to what happens here, family. Listen to what happens here. In Galatians, let's go to Galatians chapter 5. Because most of us who would say, well, in the New Testament, there is no law. Paul just talks about the Spirit. He just talks about the Spirit. There's no need for perfection and blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Listen to what Paul has to say. We're going to chapter 5 here. We're about to wrap up soon. We're about to wrap up soon. Chapter 5 here. The Word of God says, 
chapter 5, starting in verse 1. He says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. He says, mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you allow yourselves to be circumcised, Christ will be no value to you at all. So he's talking to some Jewish Christians here in, uh, in, in Galatia that, 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 that are still trying to adopt some of the old stuff. They still want the substitute teacher to come in, right? And Paul's trying to move them past it. And we might think that he's trying to do away with the law itself, but that's not actually what Paul is trying to do, with, do away with. He says, he says, verse 4, you were trying to be justified by the law, but you have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. See, pastor, there's that grace. Get away from the law talk. We just need to talk more about grace. But listen to what grace does here. He goes on to say, but by faith we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. What is righteousness? Anybody know what righteousness is? Right doing. You got it. Right doing. Righteousness is right doing. It's simply doing right. But how is it coming by? Is it coming by human effort? It's coming by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that is going to produce righteousness that we hope for. Paul is saying we hope for this righteousness. The problem is you guys try to do it by your own human effort, and that's why you fail. That's why the law is a burden to you. But we are hoping for the Spirit to be in us so that we can do the right stuff, but we have the fuel to do it. See, see, the problem with the rich young ruler family, it wasn't what God had given him to do, and it really wasn't because he was rich or anything like that at all. There was nothing wrong with it. The problem was is that he lacked a key component. He lacked the Holy Spirit in his life. That's why things appeared to be more burdensome than they really were. Listen to what Jesus says. When the disciples ask in Matthew 19, who then can be saved? What does Christ say? With man, this is what? With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Did you hear that? All things are possible. So with God, it's possible. With man, it is impossible. Jesus wasn't sharing the story about how hard it is for a rich man to get into the kingdom to stress out rich people. No, it wasn't about how rich people can't make into the kingdom. No, it was about how they could connect to the right source, fueled by the right fuel. This is what God is talking about. This is what Paul is talking about. This is what he is, this is what he's eagerly waiting for. Listen in verse 7, verse 7 of Galatians 5. You were running a good race. Who kept you? Who cut you off? Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. He then goes on to say, as we go down later in chapter 5, listen to what he says. He says, he says in verse 13, you, my brothers, were called to be free. Well, yeah, pastor, free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out. You will be destroyed by each other. Paul is asking us still to follow the law, but this law goes beyond just your Ten Commandments. It's a deeper law. It's like in Luke chapter 10 when the, when the, the teacher of the law asked Jesus, what, same question that the rich young ruler asked, what must I do to be saved? How do you enter into life? And Christ says, well, obey the commandments. He said, all right, well, which commandments will those be? 
You know, he says, well, which ones do you value? Which ones do you think? Are? He says, well, I think that, you know, love the Lord with all your heart and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And Jesus said, you spoke correctly, man. Gave him a pound. Like, you, that's what I'm talking about. You got it right. He summed up the commandments with love the Lord your God with all your heart and also what? Love your neighbor as you love yourself, which is the same, the same way that Jesus summed up the, the, the commandments and all the law and the prophets. He said, hung on those two commandments. And that's from Deuteronomy, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. So God is speaking, Christ is speaking scripture, the, the church of the law is speaking scripture. And Christ is saying, this is how you can enter into life. And of course, he starts saying, well, all right, all right, well, who's my neighbor? He wants that legality again, right? Who's my neighbor then? I need that, give me a list. And Christ gave him the parable of the Good Samaritan. and asked him, who do you think is the neighbor? God is pushing you to go beyond laws, rules, and regulations. Your Christianity should far surpass that that any generation has seen before. People should know who you are, not just by how you love one another, but by how you love strangers and even enemies. It shouldn't be just how you keep the Sabbath or that you keep the Sabbath at all. It should be what the Sabbath does for you and your community. How you've allowed the Sabbath to impact you personally and how you have blessed others through your obedience to the Sabbath. Everything that you eat and feed that is spiritual, that is good, that is from the Word, should be able to push you into a new life, a new way of living, and a new way of reaching people. And you shouldn't be able to even find out where it is. You'll be saying, well, wait a second, Pastor, where is that commandment that says I need to go grab a burrito for someone who's hungry? I don't see it anywhere here. You won't be able to find it because the law has been written in your heart and there's new laws that are being added every day and the new ones that are added never contradict the ones from the past. It's just new stuff. It's new stuff because you're older, you're more mature, and God can give you more. He said, oh man, listen, they got their doctrine now. I can actually break down some more to them. I can get them past this elementary stuff. Do you know they're still talking about the state of the dead? Can you believe that? After all these years, that's still what they're wrestling with. They're still going to have satellite broadcasts that talk about Daniel and Revelation when there's a world around us that is starving literally to death. And our millions of dollars are going to be spent on our doctrines because pastor people, they need to know about the Trinity. Some people just need to eat. Some people just need to be clothed. Some people just need shelter. 300 million people in India who are homeless. 300 million people in India who are homeless, and we say we're spiritual. You really think by keeping the commandments, you see the commandments of God, that at the end of time, you'll be able to say, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name? This is Matthew chapter 7. Did we not perform many miracles in your name? Aren't we perfect? Aren't we teleos? Aren't we, haven't we finished the task? Haven't we done it? Sign our report card. Put a smiley face there. Give me a few stars for my crown. Uh, so so, so, so we're, at a, we're at a place, family. We're at a place where God is looking for something that goes beyond the letter. 
That's really what it is. God is looking for something that goes beyond the letter. And if you are still stuck to the letter, you are still stuck in your infancy. You still want to be in elementary. You still want to be in kindergarten. You still want to be in second and third grade. And God is trying to figure you out and saying, what? Why? 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 Why can't we move past these things? Why can't we move towards perfection? Why can't we move towards maturity? Why can't we move towards completeness? Let me tell you something, fam. The thing is, is that God, is this where, oh, oh wow, this is good, this is good. So the, what, what God is simply saying here, and understand this, salvation, grace, the whole idea of the cross, understand this, the whole idea of the cross was so that we one day would be able to fulfill what we've called the law. If, 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 if God didn't think the law mattered, that moving towards perfection didn't matter, there wouldn't have been a Calvary. He would have said, ah, well, whatever happens, whatever happens, it's all good. But because God is wanting you to be in his image, he is wanting to restore us back to where we were in the Garden of Eden. Because of that, there is a reason why he shed his blood. He shed his blood. He gave up his spirit so that we could have his spirit, so that his spirit could dwell in us. There was a breach in the contract. There is a chasm between us and God. And at Calvary, Jesus bridged that chasm. He brought us back into alignment. And because of that, we now one day not only will be called children of God but we'll be able to look like children of God walk like children of God talk like children of God that is the purpose of salvation God is trying to save us so we can be our old selves he's saving us to be new creatures new beings he's saving us to be like himself there is a point and a purpose why Christ came, and for some reason, we have settled for mediocrity. We're okay. Just tell us what I have to do in order to be saved. And I'm going to end on this. I love, in chapter 18 in Luke, it talks about the rich young ruler, but in chapter 19, it talks about another rich man, and that's Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus never asked the question. Jesus invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house. Zacchaeus gladly accepts him. And just Jesus eating at his table. I've shared this many times. Just Jesus eating at his table. Zacchaeus stands up and says, here and now, I will sell half of my possessions, give the money to the poor. And if I cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay them not two times, four times. He actually went beyond Jesus' second mile. He went to the fourth mile. I pay him back four times the amount. Four times. Here's the thing. No one told him to do it because when you are connected with God and God's spirit is within you and God's spirit is writing a new word, a new word in your heart and in your mind, there is no law against it, Paul says. It's a new way of living. And this living with the spirit, by the spirit, doesn't lead you into sin. It leads you far away from sin. In fact, you're still following the same laws. You don't even know why you're doing it. Your right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. It. Christ comes and says, when I was hungry, you fed me. I, I didn't feed anybody. What are you talking about? What good did I do? When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. We don't even know what you're talking about, Jesus. When, when did we do any good? We don't even know. God is looking for people who are filled with his spirit that stop making checklists, that stop trying to find out which letter and which period is there. Where was the comma? Was the comma here or was the comma there? Who cares? Who cares? What God is concerned about is his spirit in you. Have you opened yourself up to be led by the spirit? Because by yourself, 
It is impossible. You can't enter into life. But with God's spirit in you, you watch. Trust me. You can even eat right. You can even exercise. You can have a devotional life. You'll be giving up things you never thought you would ever give up. Why? Because God's spirit is in you and his spirit is leading you. You're led by it every single day. God is wanting to restore us back to our original default settings. He wants us to be in the Garden of Eden again. That is his mission, to restore his image in you. Teleos, let's move on to perfection. You want to be perfect? Then this is what you lack. Let's take it to the next level, a second mile. Do you know what the ten virgins, do you know the five who were foolish? They did everything they were supposed to do. They followed the law. They knew when the bridegroom was supposed to come. They did their calculations. They measured the amount of oil that it would take for this time and that time and the sun over here and the moon okay and then the lunar tip and the, on the axis. They, they had it all down. They knew about the gravitational pull. They had everything set up perfectly. They measured the exact amount of oil they needed until the bridegroom came. But the five wise ones said, we're going the second mile. We don't care if it's lavish. We don't care if we have to extend ourselves. We don't care if it's, if it's giving more than just our, our cloak and we have to give our jacket and shoes as well. We're going to do whatever it takes. Just maybe the bridegroom might tarry. We don't know, but we don't want to take any chances. We want to make sure everyone is saved. We, we want to make sure every rock has been unturned. So listen, we'll put extra oil. That is what God is looking for. Extra oil among his people. Not what I have to do, but what do I get to do? I have the opportunity and the means to do more, so I will do it. Not looking at your neighbor, my neighbor did this, and so I'll do as much as he does, and my neighbor's holy, so I guess I'll be holy. God might have a whole new mission for you. When, 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 <laughs> after Jesus' resurrection, uh, Peter was walking with Jesus, and they were talking, and, and Jesus tells Peter, says, Peter, one day someone is going to take you where you don't want to go. They're going to fasten you to something you don't want to be fastened to. And Peter knew exactly what Christ was talking about. He was telling Peter that one day he would be crucified because of his, him following Jesus. Remember I told you that cross stuff doesn't sound good, does it? Someone walked up to you and told you, hey, you know, one day you're going to be scourged and crucified. You know that, right? Most of us would drop our religion right then and there. We would. We would. We would. Don't, don't fool yourself. Christianity is so cute today. It, I, we have no idea what it takes to be a Christian. I wish we could have been a part of the early church when Roman soldiers could walk into this sanctuary right now and crucify all of us. Because of us. Then you would know how serious you are about God. And here you, you can't, you can't give up certain things. Well, I just, you know, I'm sorry. I know I'm not married, but I got to keep on doing this because, you know, it's just in me and God shouldn't have made me this way. We're crazy. Well, I was just born this way. This is the way I was born. If God didn't want me this way, I shouldn't have been born this way. That's why he asked you to be born again. That's why it's called being born again. But my flesh, I know what your flesh wants to do. That's why Paul says stop walking in your flesh. You walk according to the spirit. Do you know what happened if I walked according to my flesh? Do you know what I was born like? Pastor, you were always nice. Oh, come on. Sometimes my niceness is an act. I have to be nice. I have to be. I have to sometimes show up when I don't want to show up. I have to. You know there are times I come here on Sabbath, I'm like, I want to I wanna lock myself up in the tower. I'm sorry. I should have told you that. 
but I, you have to walk by the Spirit. Which means sometimes you do things you don't want to do. But God is calling you to a higher power. Sometimes it's your cross to bear. It is. It's just the way that it is. It happens in marriage. I know it must happen with raising children. I know it must happen with raising parents. Hello. I know it happens. But God has called us to a higher calling. A spiritual calling. So that's what the ten virgins do. All in the same team, all in the same church, but some take it to another level. Some can't. Some are unwillingly. He tells Peter, he tells Peter, you're going to be crucified one day. You know what Peter says? He looks at John, what about him? What about him? What's going to happen to him? Is he going to get crucified too? What did Jesus say to Peter? Yeah, don't even worry about it. He said, if, if, if he stays alive until he sees me come again, what's it to you? I have, an, I have another law that you need to follow. I got something for John. I got something for you. It might not even look the same, but you're on the same path. So stop trying to make those little check marks. And what did John do? I did it too. Stop trying to go there, Pete. You do what I've called you to do. John will do what I've called him to do. Stop worrying about your neighbor. You just allow my spirit to be in you. You know, when I, you know, technology kind of messes up, just like with the sound system just a few minutes ago. And I, 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 I got a new uh, uh, wireless a router at my place and everything was hooked up and I was able to get on the internet and do all the things that I needed to do and then one time it just stopped working it just conked out and I had to call Comcast and they said well it's not us you have to call Apple and I called Apple and I was trying to figure it out and what they told me is somehow 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 that 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 the, the coordinates got mixed up and you had to manually put them back in manually put them back in what should have been automatic what was initially automatic and didn't require any effort on my part now I had to manually put things back in it was tedious I was putting in numbers I was putting in letters I was going to this line and going to that line it had to be this DNS server and it had to be through this router and this was the label and this was the code and it was so much work because it somehow got disconnected. And I know that sometimes Christianity for you can be so difficult and even burdensome because you feel like there's too much numbers and plugging things in and it's just a little too much effort. But what God is asking you to do is what one guy finally told me to do. He said, man, all you really need to do is push a hard reset. You need a hard reset on your system. Hold down this button for five seconds and your entire system will reset. And when it reboots, it will be the way it's supposed to be. God is wanting to hit the hard reset button in our lives. He wants to have those coordinates plugged back into our hearts. We need to have the original coordinates so we can be wirelessly connected to our creator, his spirit living within us. Stop trying to do it manually. It'll take too much time. It'll be too much effort. You'll start thinking to yourself, I lack too much. I have too much to give up. But when you hit that hard reset button, when you experience that rebirth, something just happens within you and you say, what do I have to give up, Lord? Lord, I'll give up even more than that. I'll take it to the next level. Whatever you have me to do, and then some I will do. And that's why Peter, when it was time for him to give up his life for Jesus, somebody, be with me right now, somebody. It was time for him to give up his life for his Savior. At first, he didn't want to. You remember back in the day, he didn't want to. 
But something happened between the first declaration of how he would give up his life and the final moment. Christian history tells us that when Peter was told that he would be crucified because of his commitment and obedience to God, he went the second mile. He said, I only have one request. Don't crucify me just like Jesus. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Can you turn me upside down? Turn me upside down. And they granted his wish. Jesus didn't tell him to do it. No one told him to do it. There was something else going on in his heart. He just had to do it. Don't you want to be their family? Where you're pushed to go beyond whatever God requires is not what you're trying to just meet. You want to go beyond. It's not even for extra credit. You just want to stay in the lab a little bit longer. Is there anyone here today who wants to make that decision? You realize that in your life, you haven't really experienced that hard reset and you need one. You've been like the rich young ruler. What do you have to do? And you're saying, now, Lord, I want to take it to another level. I'm not looking at just what you require. I want to do more than just that. Is there someone here who wants to make that decision, wants to make that choice right now today? I'm asking you to stand where you are. You want to make that decision. You want to do more. You want to do more. Praise the Lord. You want to do more. You want to do more. You know what, you, you know what that means. It's, it's, it's going to look, some on the outside are going to say, wow, what's wrong with those people? They look like, like they're following the law. They look like they're, they're a bit legalistic, but it's not about that. You're not trying to get saved by doing that. That's not what it's about right now. It's, a, it's about what 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 you're thirsting for, what you're hungering for. You want that hard reset. You want to you wanna go back to those original settings. You want it to be the way you were designed to be. You want to go back to Eden. God is wanting to do that in your life right now. With man, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. Is anyone else, anyone else wants to make that stand? Anyone else wants to make that stand? There might some, be someone here right now who wants to simply say, Pastor, I've never made the decision before, ever in my life. Some people who are standing are standing because they're, they're recommitting, but I want to commit for the first time. I want to be baptized. I saw what happened today. I want to be a part of that baptism. If that's your decision, I'm asking you to raise your hand right where you are. Just raise your hand. You want to be a part of the next baptism. I see a hand in the back. I see a hand in the back, elders. I see a hand in the back. Keep your hand raised. Keep your hand raised. I see a hand in the back. Is there anyone else who wants to raise their hand and say, I want to be a part of that baptism? Please keep your hand up. We're going to have an elder that's going to slip out and, and, and get your information. Is there someone else who wants to raise their hand and say, I want to be a part of that next baptism? I see a hand right here. Praise the Lord. I see another hand right here. Pastors, if I can have someone. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Keep your hand high. Keep your hand high. Is there anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for giving us an opportunity to be challenged yet again. Father, we do want to enter into life. Forgive us for thinking it was just mere rules and laws and requirements. Thank you for pushing us beyond. Thank you for calling us to perfection, to completeness, to fullness. Father, thank you for giving us the spirit of the law that far exceeds what the substitute teacher was giving us, what the schoolmaster, the governess was giving us. Father, thank you for pushing us beyond those boundaries. Father, this is true freedom. <laughs> this is true freedom.
freedom by the spirit that leads us, Father, to be just like you. So we thank you that we can have the same spirit that was in Christ Jesus. Father, may our commitment and our dedication have a different look to it. May we not just try to be like our parents, but be like our heavenly parents. Father, our righteousness will exceed that of the Pharisees, of the teachers of the law, because we're going beyond. We're going beyond the letter, and we wouldn't have it any other way. So, Father, whatever you tell us to do, our hearts are now open to it. You're going to have a specific message to us that's going to have our fingerprint on it. There's something you're asking us to specifically let go. For some of us, Father, it might be movies. And that might not be for our neighbor, but that's for us. You might have a specific, customized message, Father, for, for one whose music has, has kept them in bondage, Father. That message might not be for everyone, but it might be for that individual, Father. It might be diet. Father, it might be relationships. It might be what happens in relationships. It might be with finances. Father, it might be with anger and temperament, whatever it is. It might be with our gifts that we give to you, return to you. Whatever it is, Father, please bring it to the forefront. Let the Spirit convict us. We want to be led. We want to be led. And Father, we'll give you all the glory. We know this is impossible for us. That's why we couldn't do it. That's why we never did it. But now we know that we have unlimited resources with you. With you, all things are possible. You have freely given, Father. We will freely receive. In Jesus' name, we praise you. Let God's people say, amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. Amen. 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 I come to the garden My heart is ringing. 
No. 